back with the longest running real estate sales <laughs> podcast in Australia, million dollar agent. Guys, honestly, what do you think of that intro? What do you think? Well, I, I, you need to rehearse it more. I think you know, I saw a great phrase the other day. In fact, I, I had it on one of my slides, but I'd read it from somewhere else and it said, don't practice until you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong. Hey, Tom, I've got a low IQ, John. I've got to listen to that over and over again. But are you saying back to the drawing board? Don't practice it? until you get it right. Practice until you can't get it wrong. Tom, so, if the listeners could see your face right now. Okay. He's just trying to work it out. Sure, yeah, you've got to understand, it's, it's, you know when Rubik's Cubes came out? I went for weeks. I went for weeks. Guys, I love this. Q&A question from our audience, and we're going to try and get through a few today. The first one is, I've been in real estate for 10 months with a great company. Prior to this, I was very successful in hospitality for 20 years mm. with multiple outlets and staff. How do I translate my leadership, team building, and entrepreneurial skills to real estate? And more importantly, how do I learn how to think like a real estate agent. So this question is about someone coming from a new industry that's been very successful, hospitality, how does he become a world-class agent? What's so the first thing? thing I would yeah. say, that, and, the, and the concern I have there is how do I think like a real estate agent? And I don't say that with any disrespect to us or our peers in the industry, but fresh thinking, bringing in, hospitality is a great backdrop to come into real estate because it's all about people, focus, and customer experience, which is probably 75% of the real estate backdrop as well. So I would, in effect, be just saying, what, what's worked for me in hospitality? Because I'll guarantee you that's going to work beautifully in real estate. Don't try and think too much like a real estate agent or whatever that might even mean. Don't see people as vendors, buyers. See people as people. I was driving the airport. In fact, it was when I came to Adelaide with you, Tom, to do one of the News Limited real estate gyms, I was driving to the airport early in the morning and for Sydney siders will know this because it's been up for a month or so. As you, as you approach, there's a big billboard, and it said, I, and there's a captain there, and face the captain, and he says, I don't fly planes, I fly people. There's a big difference. Yeah, that's gold. And I just thought, it's the same. So many people talk about vendors and buyers and agents. Everyone is people. Yeah. Everyone has the same, you know, hot buttons and fears and insecurities and desires and hopes and dreams and all this sort of stuff. So. I don't want you to think too much like a real estate agent. Just think like a person. Think, you know, what would you want? So in terms of, in terms of leadership, what do you want? Well, you want a photocopy that works and a clean environment. You want a fresh cup of coffee when you want one. You want to have, be surrounded by other people in your team that have got integrity and quality, that are doing good work. You want to have the right tools, whatever that could be. And, you know, it could be certainly folders or electronic stuff and a website to put your listings on. All of those sort of things are what you want. And so let's just keep it simple. I love the fact that you're coming in, whoever is the author of this question, is coming in with a fresh set of eyes. Don't try and be too real estate-ish. Agents want exactly what chefs and waiters and, and uh, people at weddings want. They want service and they want to be cared and respected and looked after and a nice seat to sit on and all that sort of simple stuff. So I, I think just, just deliver people what you know they already want. I think... Uh the last bit of that question, uh, how to think like a real estate agent, I actually think that that's probably one of the weaknesses with real estate people. The minute they think that they've got to act like someone, they actually then create 
a vendor to act like a vendor. Mm, mm. The way to actually get someone for them to be themselves is give them permission to be themselves by you being yourself. Yeah. And that's when you have authenticity in a relationship. And the biggest compliment I ever hear an agent have is when a vendor says, he was different or she was different. They weren't like your typical real estate person. Mm, mm. So I actually think being someone that's new in the industry can be a bit of a strength because you don't have all this, oh, I've got to do this to the vendors, I've got to do these price reductions to the vendors, I've got, you know, you, you come in with the freshness, so. Um, very the true. other one of that was, the, the same reasons why whoever the author of this question is has been successful in hospitality are probably going to be the same traits and reasons why they're going to be successful in real estate. I think of the perfect example of Michael Pallia. Michael Pallia, phenomenal agent. Genius. Extremely successful, Genius. great friend of all of ours. Um, came from being a mechanic mm. to a car salesperson and now he's probably... Nothing wrong with mechanics. No, 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 I'm not but saying that. It's a very saying, different to being a real... Fixing mm. cars is different to listing houses. Yeah, mm. and what I'm trying to get at is the fact that Michael was phenomenal at that job and followed a process and dealt with people for people He's brought those traits to real estate mm. and replicated them. So it's actually he's from, shown He's from Wollongong. God, yeah. I love Wollongong. I went down the other day and I saw Geordie and Trevor and the, our team there at their new office, which, by the way, is beautiful. Mm. Anyone in Wollongong and hasn't seen our McGrath office should go and see the boys and pop your head in. I just love Wollongong. You know when you drive from Sydney down and you sort of start coming down the Bulleye Pass? Yep. And you yeah. see there's that panoramic restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, I've pulled off the road a couple of times, but normally you just drive past, you see it, and you think, what a, one of the great parts of, of Australia's east coast, probably of all Australia's Yeah, it's a, great, it's a great drive, and I know there's a place there, I think, on Stanwell Tops on the way there, oh, where yeah. hang gliders take off. If you duck off through the um, park. It's, uh, it's fantastic. That's and a I'm great example. Trevor Moliner, I think, I don't know if you know Trev, but he's one of our principals down there at Wollongong, and he sort of runs a Thoreau office, and Geordie sort of looks after a bit more of the Wollongong office. The rule, like, guys, if you're a listener, look it up on the map. Beautiful spot, but small, tiny. Trevor's just written over a million dollars and run the business and done a lot of running the other business as well. You know, there is no excuse, and he's got, by the way, his team's got about 40% market share, I'm told, down there. So it's all about market share. So you could be in a small little hamlet somewhere where it's, it's not Paddington, Brisbane, or Paddington, Sydney, it's not Turak, or it's not Hawthorne. It's wherever it is, somewhere like Thoreau, and you can still earn huge money and have huge success. It's all about market share. Okay, beautiful. Next question. This one comes actually from a guy I went to high school with, a close friend of mine, JV, at Kingsgrove North High School. Big shout out to all the Kingsgrove. Kingsgrove? Did you go to Kingsgrove? I went to Kingsgrove North High School. Bexley in Kingsgrove, right? Yeah. So we were neighbours. You're in Bexley? Yeah, that's why I grew up in Bexley. Okay, well, somewhere along the line, you've done the right things, John, and I haven't done <laughs> Well, we've all started at the same place. Anyway, let's move on to the question. If you could only give one piece of advice to a real estate agent just starting out or has been in the game for a while, but it isn't getting the results he or she would be uh, like to be getting, what advice would you give them? Easy, so, yeah. easy, easy. Take responsibility. Um, if you've been in the game a while or haven't been in the game a while, whatever, your, your external results and your external world is a direct reflection, if not a mirror reflection, of your internal world. And I say, and this is hard for some people to take, Tom, because they kind of they're good people, and they say, well, you know, I do the right thing, I'm a good person, and, and I'm sure that's all true. But what I'd also say is, your numbers are reflecting that there's something happening that's blocking success. Yeah. So whether that's ego, whether that's fear, because they're, they're two ends of the scale. Someone can be too confident, overconfident, egocentric. At the other end, someone can be lacking in belief in themselves and confidence. You know, you want to be in the middle. You want to be confident but humble. 
So I think the first thing is, and that's why I love the fact that they're writing this question, because they're investigating and mm -hmm. they're open to it. Take responsibility, recognise that your current results reflect your inner workings. Therefore you say, okay, who controls your inner workings? You do. Mm. So what does inner workings mean? Your thought processes, your attitude, your energy, the way you treat people, the way you treat yourself, all of those things are inner workings. So my view is have a look at those things and say, what do I have to upgrade in my life? Because the, the world is waiting for you to be successful. Mm. The world's just sitting there saying, I'm waiting for these people to get their act together, be successful, and I'm ready to hire them, enlist with them, or whatever it is. John, I've got a, I've got a particularly because JV's uh, been a, it's funny, you've got real old people, school friends, you've got a bit of a bond. JV, I, I don't know who JV is, but it sounds Greek. John Volonakis. Wow, I was right. Okay. There you go. <laughs> okay, so. Yasu to John out Yasu there. Yasu to John. Uh, and John, John's known me in, 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 a, in, a, in a period of my life where I haven't eaten healthy, where I've drunk, where I've been yep. overweight, where I haven't been energetic. Yep. John, I've got to tell you, I remember clearly the day I took responsibility at RPA Hospital one day. It actually happened in one minute. I remember thinking there to myself, I was at chemo, and I thought to myself, Tom, get real here. Drop, drop the crap. What's working in your life and what's not working? Mm -hmm. And I still clearly remember leaving the chemo session, going to Dimmix, picking up 10 positive books. Mm -hmm. I remember signing up to the gym within 24 hours. Beautiful. I remember writing a list of people that weren't energizing me and I thought I would slowly detach from them, not dramatically where I'd cause a scene. And I sat down and wrote down a clear goal. And I think the best day in your life is when you actually get real and you say, Tom, what's working and what's not working? It's the most liberating day in your life. There's two things I've got out of that time. I love that story, and, and as you and I know one of the reasons we're so close friends is we kind of. I almost I didn't go through it with you, but I was delighted you were, to be John, a friend. I, I was there the day you kind of got the news, or you found out. And I was there the I, day you got the good news. With I still remember it was Sebastian Bonacorso at Elders Enfield. We were uh, at a, a cafe in Haberfield, corner in, of Ramsey correct. and uh, Dalhousie, I think. Uh, we were there on that corner, and you stepped outside and took the call from the doctor, and, yeah. and that was you know, one of the great days of my life to hear that and to actually be there at the time. There's two things I got out of that. Number one is you had a sense of urgency. You decided, okay, bang, I'm going to do it now. Not, I reckon I should think about doing that next week or at Christmas or on the 1st of January or whatever. You said, I'm sick of being sick. I'm sick of whatever, I'm going to do it. And the second thing is you took massive action. You didn't just say, okay, I'm sick of being sick, so hopefully things will get better. You said, I'm going to go to Dimmicks, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to hire a personal trainer, I'm going to kind of stop drinking alcohol or whatever the, the cocktail of things that you decided, no pun intended, but the range of activities you decide to upgrade. Tony Robbins years ago, I mean, I've been, a, like you, both of you, I've been a great proponent of self-development. I've been to Robbins and, and every seminar that I could possibly ever get to. He said the quickest way to change your life is to raise your standards. Mm. And that's exactly what you did. You raised your exercise standards, your dietary standards, all those sort of things. So whether it's around health, which it definitely should be, whether it's around relationship, internal, family, spouse, whether it's around business, raise your standards. And we talked, uh, I think it was a previous podcast, we talked about Kevin Dearlove. And Kevin just said, I'm going to start putting everything at the top of REA and I'm going to put a price guide on everything. And, and what he was doing was raising his standards. Yeah. And he banged 2x within 12 months. And he puts it down to just two activities that he said... So again, in a health front, Troy, and you know, you're one of the healthiest guys I know, one of the best athletes I know, but if you're not healthy, just decide tomorrow you're going to get up and go for a walk for 20 minutes. Yep. 
and the next day you're going to walk for 22 minutes. And then yeah. 20, and before you know it, 60 minutes of walking on a daily basis, you've already dropped, you've then dropped three to five kilos. Instead of having soft drink, you're now starting to have water, spring water, uh, all those sort of things. And the, the snowballing effect of, of in work and out of work doing those things is tremendous. So everyone listening there, uh, hopefully there's some good insights, but I, I like that question from John. Yeah, look, Was it John? Uh, it was, yeah, John Volanakis, JV. 80% of winning is beginning. One of the things that we know, guys, is that when you do one thing, it's like a domino effect. Like you turn around and say the gym thing. You join a gym, right, and you bear, buy a pair of shoes. All of a sudden, you actually started something and that creates another action and creates another action. So I think a lot of it is actually getting started because I think once you start something, it does have a bit of a domino effect. The next thing I was going to ask, and I know we're going off topic here. You've mentioned, John, that uh, Troy... Is this the first time in uh, 75 we've gone off topic? topic. We're talking about someone that's... Probably the first time we've been on topic. (laughs) We're we're talking about someone that suffers from... Does anyone listen to us anymore, uh, Troy? We used to have people listen to us. What are the numbers, Troy? What are are our KPIs, Troy? Millions. Millions. By the way, I've noticed Troy's been getting more airtime. He's just sneaking in. He used to kind of sit there and press the panel up. He was, the you know what Troy was? Troy was a winger that stayed in his position, and all of a sudden he's coming up, he's picking <laughs> wants to up call the, the ball. Shots. He wants to call the shots, wants and be, now yeah. he wants to be first man. Uh, Troy, John mentioned something there. Yeah. You said he's, he's one a, of the elite athletes. Knew, Troy, well, is it is it true? Is it true that you were a you were a rugby league uh, third grade? Rooster. Uh, yeah, I played uh, six years at the Roosters, reserve grade. And, um, and, and touch football for Australia, which is kind of so like I was, I was I was there the era where Ricky Stewart was head coach. Uh, we had phenomenal coaching staff. Saw him at the airport the other day, Ricky. Saw him at the airport. How's, how's he looking, John? Looking He's looking good. He's, He's doing well. really healthy. Yeah. yeah, I had a chat to him at the airport, Canberra. Doing really well. Very intense. Consistent very footy, successful. That's what they're chasing. He's a nice guy. You wouldn't want to get into a conversation with him after they've lost, but, but he's a nice no, guy. No, he's intense. Yeah. He's intense. That was the one thing I missed. Uh, I didn't like about training was whenever we lost going to the training. And John, you were a footy player too. <laughs> yeah, I was Roosters two years ago, but now I'm Rabbits. I've seen the light. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's funny because when I went from, you know, my goal, maybe a bit like Troy's, was to actually sort of see that as a career and, and ultimately play for Australia. and when I couldn't do that anymore, I just switched my approach to sport to business. Mm. And I thought, well, you know, why did I do pretty well at sport? Because I trained very hard, um, because I visualized what I wanted to do. I had clarity. I used to study other great players and say, you know, why is that? You know, Dennis Pittard, you're probably a bit young, Tommy, yeah. you remember, but well, one of the great South Sydney 5'8 South in Sydney. the 60s, yeah, before you were born. Um, but, you know, he was, he was and, and I used to study. So you can do that all in business. You can visualise, you can have clarity, you can you know, get the energy, you can get yourself in a good physical state. You can talk to great players. A great story, I told it, I think I told it Adelaide to your News Limited customers the other day, was the guy, Fred Smith, I think he was FedEx. I think he started FedEx, Troy, I think. Anyway, he's a multi, multi-billionaire now, but a great story, I, I think it was Tim Ferriss talked about in one of his blogs when he met Fred Smith and Fred said to him, Tell me who was the smartest guy you've met in the last 90 days and could you connect me with them? And so here's a guy who's worth billions, who's done everything, you know, he's climbed, climbed the Mount Everest to business. And when he met Ferris, within the first few minutes, he says, just, I'll be interested, you know, who's the smartest, most interesting person you've met in the last 90 days and could you connect me with them? I mean, that for me is the pinnacle of success because that's about... That's about, I want to do more. I want to know more. I want to hear what smart people are thinking and, yeah. and, and, and saying. The other thing I talked about at that, at that little news limit, everyone's got to get along to these real estate gyms. We have good conversations yeah. from stage. 
But the other thing I talked about was, uh, I think his name's Brian Chesky, who's the founder of uh, Airbnb that most people are probably know of or have used. And he said, you know, it's interesting. A lot of young startup founders and, you know, mid-20s, late-20s, they're now running multi-billion dollar complex multinational companies. They're 27 and they're ex-coders. They have never been to Harvard Business School. They've never done, you know, Sydney University degree of economics. And so he said, I found myself in that position. All of a sudden, I came up with an idea with my partner and we, we sort of took it to the next level. And then all of a sudden, it's a multi-billion dollar company with investors. And so he said, I had to reinvent a way to become a great leader. So he said, I, what I do in coding, you know, they call that hacking coding, which is they kind of look into coding and work out why it does what it does. He said, I did the same for leadership. I looked at who are the world's best leaders and I kind of like broke it down into reading about them, studying them and saying what, what made them so great. Then I sought out the number one person that I could get my hands on, get in contact with in the world that was doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. And he said, I figure that a three-hour lunch with the best person in the world with the right set of questions and a notebook is as good as a five-year Harvard degree course. Yeah. And he said, that's all I've done. Because he said, I realized I didn't have, I didn't want to spend 10 years, but I didn't have 10 years to become a great leader. I had to do it like in real time. And I think that's really brilliant because that's, that's breaking the mold today. That's saying, okay, what do I want to do? What's the fastest way to become it? I, I don't have to do the old traditional 10-year course, three-year course, four-year internship. I can now, and hopefully things like our, our little podcast that we do, that I hope someone's listening to, Troy. You still didn't respond to that question on, <laughs> do we have any listeners? He used to crow about it. He used to say, you know, we have 6,000. No, I've got to, I'll, I'll say, I'm very proud of this podcast because every so often if I'm online, I'll go on to um, iTunes and I'll have a look at it. And when I see it, you know, hovering there around 25, 27, after over a year and a half, yep. I think to myself, uh, firstly, John, what a brainchild to come up with it. Um, Troy Malcolm, um, what amazing uh, audio skills, um, <laughs> equipment that you've brought over from, where'd this come from, America? Yep. The earphones, the earphones. We still haven't had anyone said that they've noticed a difference between the first <laughs> equipment and the second equipment. I get it all the time, Tom. But <laughs> I think the, big, the biggest thing is, John, on, look, whilst we're all on you know, social media and blogging and what have you, I don't look at the numbers, I look at more at the impact. And I feel that this podcast does get impact because I have so yeah. many people that say, listen, Thank you so much. I mean, there would be at least 20 to 30 SMSs, emails, Facebook posts saying, I listen to this stuff. I do it while I'm at the gym. I do it while I'm driving. I listen to it at an appointment, and it just helps me to sharpen the saw. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and, and that's why, to be absolutely frank, that's why I had that conversation with you, you know, whatever it was, 18 months ago, whatever, when I, because that's what I was doing. I was listening to really interesting people talking about sales type topics. They're talking about how they thought about things, how they prepared for meetings, all sorts of stuff. And I thought, well, we should be doing that for the real estate industry because, I mean, this is, this is a great industry. By the way, I love doing those gyms traveling around because, you know, you do. You get, you get caught in a bubble sometimes and you want to actually get out there and meet people that are listening to you and that are starting in the industry. I met some great young guys that were kind of in their first couple of weeks of real estate at Adelaide the other day. Isn't that Adelaide Oval a beautiful facility? I was fantastic. And I've got to say, John, you were um, outstanding. You used one slide. Mm. I've noticed that sometimes a presentation that you go to, that you see a presenter, when they have this ability to have one slide 
and to flow and to talk like you're having a conversation with someone one-on-one, but you seem to be on stage, you lose yourself for about an hour and you feel like you're just talking to one person, that energy of that presentation hits and resonates with people's hearts. And that was an outstanding I texted at you before. I said, I'm thinking, I just had some, you know, sort of bolt of lightning that I thought, I don't want to do 10 or 12 slides or 30 bullet points. I actually want to just have an intimate conversation. Mm. And it's like, it sort of shifts around. So you saw Sarah was in the audience. Sarah, the the soon-to-be CEO of Harris Real Estate. Yeah, well, Phil, where was Phil? Uh, Phil Harris. Seriously, what Phil, an imposter. Well, Phil Harris is, uh, <laughs> as, we're, as we're speaking right now, I believe Phil Harris is in Europe having a, oh, okay. I'll uh, take that a vacation. Fair so. enough, as long as he wasn't Obviously there. Obviously, Sarah's running the business. Well, we know that. We know that <laughs> she's, have we, she's have a Have we got child. time for one more quick question, Troy? Uh, yeah, yes. We'll do very quickly. Yeah. Okay, let's go through. What percentage of your income do you spend on self-promotion? So how much should you be spending out there, whether you're sponsoring a school, a, a surf club, or whether you're doing some branding ads, or whether you're doing some sort of a what do you think? Well, look, I think we talk a lot here, Tom, about attraction business. So the first thing is spend nothing until you've actually, well, when I say not literally necessarily, but before you focus on what do you have to spend, focus on who do you have to be. Because the best advertising you can do is do seven opens this Saturday in your community and have them the best seven opens anyone's ever attended. Mm. Then in three weeks' time, have four auctions, brilliant, the way you turn up and run it, look after buyers, look after sellers. That's your best advertisement by tenfold. So, and by the way, that costs you zero. So the answer to that bit is to become a true attraction business, it costs you nothing. For those people that do want to do something extra, and I'm not against it, I didn't do it personally, but I know a lot of our guys do it, um, I would be select. So the first thing I'd do is say, okay, within my community, what can I do that'll connect me with the community and will allow me to give back because in the process of doing that, now that could be, I think Troy you mentioned or Tom mentioned, like a small school, it could be a charity area, it could be a disadvantaged group of some particular, whatever it is. Now again, these are not, we're not talking about big dollars here, we're talking about identifying the opportunity to support a group within your community in some meaningful way. Now some people I know, they do auctions, they do, uh, they sort of, they print the flyers for the charity day or the fate, things that, that are not big money but these small groups, another one I thought was brilliant. Someone said, you know, I make my boardroom available for any of the local groups to come in and meet and I cater for them. The catering was a cup of coffee and bickies. It's not expensive. But he said, I just contacted all of my, uh, the groups around. I said, look, if you do need somewhere to meet on your weekly or monthly basis, please feel free to use my boardroom. Now that's valuable and it costs nothing. So I think be smart about what you do it. So what Off- you're saying, John, is look at not... Uh, dollar percentage of your revenue, look at what contribution can you make to your community and then work backwards from there. Yeah, it's the, the, the old checkbook marketing, it's too easy and, and people see through it. If all you're doing is shoving stuff in people's letterboxes every week or month, not saying it's wrong, but I think there is a much better way to do that or other things you need to be doing that are meaningful, authentic, they contribute and people get it and they say, okay, that guy Troy, he's a good guy. He he sponsored the fate, he was the auctioneer there, he lets our little little group, you know, that meets once a month, go to his office and meet there, and whenever I see him, he remembers my name and he, you know, looks after me or whatever. That's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of marketing. 
the latest statistics that I heard coming out were around about 80%. It was 60%. The latest research I've heard about in terms of big ticket items, 80% of business is done off the back of a recommendation or referral. Yeah. So if that's true, and let's assume for the moment it is true, eight out of 10 people that list, one of the major reasons they listed or called someone in to talk about their property was because it, they've either done business with them in the past or they've spoken to someone or they've heard a good recommendation. You think about going to movies, like every movie I go to, nine out of 10, they're because someone said, I saw that movie, it's great. Yeah. So you just get there. Then you go and look at all the lists and the, you know, I don't know what's good, which of these are good, but Troy went and saw that one, he said it was great, so I'll go and see that one. I think that's why we've seen social media emerge the way it is, is that people care more about what other people say than what a Yellow Pages advertisement used to say. That's true. Or what a leaflet drop in the letterbox says. Well, it's very, it's very similar to what you see on TV. You're watching a television show, um, documentary or whatever, and normally when the ads come on, you switch off. Yeah. Um, the same analogy can be used with real estate. If you're pushing out deals um, every week, you become that advertisement where you just get caught up in the noise, in yeah. the commas, of but pitching business. I agree, Troy. The, yeah. but the, and I think a really good insight there off the back of what you've said is give people value. Give people value. So don't just shove something in their letterbox or something in the local newspaper that says, I'm the best. Because yeah. kind of people are over that and people don't even like that. Give people value. You know, this is what's happening in our community. Yep. You know, do a report. You know, this is the last 10 sales of properties in your area. We're letting you know. Give them some value. Give them some content that is topical and relevant to who they are. Yeah. Not, not something else. Is it possible, do you think, that Troy's editing us out and he's just he's now actually got his own podcast going on the side? There is. Because he's, so con- no, <laughs> he's, got, he's got so much content going. I was just thinking when he was speaking, perhaps when you... Because I actually never mm. listened to this podcast. After I've done it, I just hope it sounded good and then I sort of, you know, do it's, the next it's one. It's very good. I think we may have to uh, uh, look at appointing a committee to look into this a third party, <laughs> right? Because at the moment, Troy, I've got to say, um, don't get me wrong, I really value your insights, but <laughs> as, as of this moment, you're officially a person of interest. <laughs> now, uh, there has, there uh, has to be a succession plan. That's, to, all, that's yeah, what the listeners want. Uh, yeah, well, I'm here for another 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> In 31 years, I'm happy for you to take over and Tom will be the same. Well, talking of advertisements, yeah. realestate.com.au are our sponsor, which we appreciate very much. And uh, we've just gone Premier All as a company. Oh, well, certainly we have our company-owned offices and I think the majority of our franchises. And we're talking to some guys in Melbourne that we're looking forward to joining up with towards the end of this year. And they've just gone Premier All. I think nowadays... If you take the statistic, which is a real statistic that says only one third of people go and look at the second page of search results, and you know, in any of the search portals or even on your own website, these statistics are the same, um, that you've got to be at the top. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to sound biased because I'm on the board of REA, but they are a great business. And I know, Tom, you're also part of the news group, I, which I is one of the owners. I work and we own 60% of it, but I've always said, unless you're on page one of the search results, you've built a billboard in the forest. No one's going to notice you. I like that. Well, the other thing is on REA that I don't know if a lot of our listeners, hopefully a lot of them do realise, is the agent profiles thing. That is phenomenal, and we push that very heavily with our agents because it gives the ability to link through to where the number one social media platform for businesses, which is LinkedIn. Yeah. So they can have a profile where they can have a bit of a testimony of their recent sales listings, but they can yeah. also link through to their social media. Well, Steve Carroll talks, I think he talks presence. about the digital interview. Yeah. That nowadays, and I look, no, I, I don't think people are going to choose an agent just off the internet and then just send them an agency agreement, but right. people are going to reduce and cut down and exclude people by going on 
I think you talked before, Tom, about desktop research. You go on there, you'll have a look, you'll say, okay, these three or four agents seem to be pretty dominant on the internet. Uh, I'm going to have a look, I'm going to look at their video reports and so forth. Um, now, so that plus recommendations is going to become a very big part of hiring agents in the future. So we thank REA, Tracy Fellows, she's yeah. a superstar. Superstar, great partners of ours and uh, guys, I look forward to seeing you uh, next week. We'll see you at Troy Malcolm's blog next week. Thank you. <laughs> see you. Enjoy. Bye guys.